This evening's reading is from Acts 17, verses 16 to 34. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to the meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. I've just written a few words about what being a father means to me. Nothing I've ever done has given me more joy and rewards than being a father to my children. The love I have for them cannot be measured against anything, as for me, there is no comparison. When Gracie was born, I'll never forget the first time I held her. I never wanted to let go. I would just hold her and look at her for hours. Then along came Lois, four years later, and I didn't know I was able to find any more love in me, but it was there in abundance, the same as it was for Gracie. There is nothing I would not do for my girls, and hearing them call me dad fills my heart with joy. Although I'm sure this will change as they both get older, 
as I'm more than certain they will be after something, such as lifts and more pocket money. I'll leave you with this quote I found. One night, a father overheard his son's prayer. Dear God, please make me the kind of man that my daddy is. Later that night, the father prayed. Dear God, please make me into the man my son wants me to be. Thank you. I asked Simon to do that tonight because there's one line in that testimony that really stuck out me, and it was when he said that um, when Gracie was born, he wanted to hold her and never let go. And I do believe that that's what God wants to do to us. I do believe that that's the Father heart of God. I do believe that that's how he looks at each one of his children. And when the next one comes along, he thinks, have I got enough love for this one? Yes. I have, and I never want to let him go. So it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how big, how little. It doesn't matter, because God looks at us through a father's eyes. So we're going to sing a song now. Um, The girls and I are going to sing it through once for you so that you can hear it. It's called Reveal Your Father Heart to Us. And I want it to be a prayer so that when we, we join together the second time to sing it, we're praying that as we listen to what Jack comes to bring to us in a sermon, that we would actually understand the father heart of God and why he wants us to worship him so let's stand as we're going to stand now and so we can just listen to the words the first time join me I promised Joe that what I said tonight would be short so I hope to stick to that but tonight's service is all about worship and when we think about worship I wonder what comes to mind Do we think about worship services and what we like and what we don't like? What do we think about? Well, I was at a conference yesterday called the Youth Work Summit, and there was this youth worker there called Beth King. You've probably never heard of her. I'd never heard of her. But she had some really good stuff to say. And I'm paraphrasing this because I couldn't write quickly enough. But she said, the thing that makes worship awesome is the object of our worship. So think about that. The thing that makes worship awesome is the object of our worship. And you know, that is a very simple but very important statement. She went on to say that no matter where you are or what you're doing when you're worshipping God, be it at a big event, be it in your room reading your Bible and praying, be it in church or be it in a small group, then that sense of awe should be the same. Because God doesn't change. God is always awesome. You see, wherever we are when we worship him, whoever we're with, it shouldn't matter. Because if we're truly focusing on God, then he never changes. And again, to use her word, he is always awesome. You see, it's who we worship that matters. Back in Athens, Paul was upset at the sight of idolatry and paganism. He knew the statues were just man-made. They were just objects that had no power. They couldn't save the people. They couldn't protect the people. They couldn't forgive them and they couldn't work in their lives. You see, it's who we worship that matters. And Paul knew that it was God who had created heaven and earth. He knew the truth and all of the false teachings really disturbed him. So he had to do something about it. I want to read uh, the message version of, uh, I think it's verses 24-ish. 
It says, He made the entire human race and he made the earth hospitable with plenty of time for living so that we could seek after God and not just grow up around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him. We can't get away from him. You see, Paul had the Holy Spirit living and working in him. And because of that, he had to do something about this idolatry that he saw. When he saw the extent to which people of Athens were living in the dark, he couldn't sit back and do nothing. How often do we get upset because of the lost people in the world around us? When was the last time we were moved to action because of the culture that we're living in? And you know, Acts 17 is about worship. Yes, it is. But it's also about witness. And for me, those two things go hand in hand. I don't think we can truly worship without witnessing too. Paul certainly witnessed to his faith. And the thing is, you never know that what you say, how it's going to influence somebody else. Paul didn't manage to persuade the philosophers to accept Jesus Christ, but his message hit home with other people. And in time, that made a huge difference to how the gospel spread throughout the world. But Paul also ventured out from where he was comfortable. His normal routine was to go to the synagogue and try and convince the faithful Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. He did that in Athens, but in this case, he also did more. He went up to Areopagus and proclaimed the gospel to a largely hostile um, audience. He took it out onto the streets. How is God calling us to take the good news out onto the streets? We need to go where the people are. We need to go and share their concerns and share with them what we've seen and heard and experienced ourselves about God's grace and love. But we need to go to them. You'll have all heard about John Wesley. That probably can be assumed. But he was frustrated with the emptiness of church, both physically and spiritually. So he took the message out to the people. He preached in open fields, he preached in coal mines, he preached wherever he happened to be so that they might hear about God's love for them. And in the meantime, Charles Wesley wrote the themes of gospel, gospels, the gospel to uh, popular music and obviously we still sing some of those songs today. It caught on. People turned to Christ in droves and they committed their lives to following him. The bishop, however, criticised him for going outside of his parish. And in response, Wesley said, the world is my parish. Is that something we can say today? The world is my parish. We need to move beyond these four walls and engage with the community around us. We need to take the good news of Jesus everywhere we are. This is what Paul did in Athens. It's what Jesus did in Galilee. We have a compelling message to share. And with all the conflicts and troubles and mixed messages that people get in the world today, we really need to be doing it. Some people might not listen, but for those who do, it'll be worth it. So finally, as much as we're called to be worshippers, which we absolutely are, we're also called to be witnesses. Our focus for worship is God, and God is always awesome.